Welcome to Apologetics Talk Radio with your host, Marty Mento, the Christian talk radio show that helps you learn the Word of God so that you may teach others and defend biblical truth. Now, here's your host, Marty Mento. Well, welcome back to Apologetics Talk Radio here on the ATR Network. I am your host, Marty Mento. What a blessing it is to be with you here today on this podcast, and I hope and pray that you're not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. Because as Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my teachings, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. We know that that's not a good thing. But uh, I don't know about you, but ever since Christ has saved me, I want the whole world to know about this man called Jesus, who is the Christ. Well, uh, welcome back again. Uh, It has been just a beautiful, beautiful day here, uh, just I'm just delighted, truly, because a day that the Lord has made, another opportunity to serve Him and to bring forth His glorious gospel message uh, to the whole entire world that is out there. Uh, Someone actually said this the other day, which kind of surprised me, but I do understand uh, to some degree. Someone actually made a comment to someone I know that when it comes to uh, the man they call Minto, he's always talking about the gospel. Uh, doesn't he talk about anything else? Isn't there anything else that he could share, uh, he could proclaim? It's always the gospel, bringing it back to the gospel. Well, uh, I can give you the, the short answer. No, it's not going to change. The gospel message, the good news, is what the world needs to hear in which I am convinced, unfortunately but true today, in the world in which we live when it comes to the visible church, they're hearing everything but the gospel. Now, I say that uh, based upon experience on my own. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, in these uh, last—now it's going on almost 11 months uh, since I have been as far as a full-time pastor, but I've had the opportunity of visiting many different churches— And uh, I have experienced this for myself, the lack of the gospel, the good news being proclaimed to people. Not to mention, we look at the world around us, we look at those uh, statistics, whether, you know, I don't always like to hang my hat on a statistic, but so many of the statistics out there are saying less and less of those within the church today believe it's necessary to share the gospel. But the gospel is Jesus Christ. He is the gospel. He is the good news. And um, I have been teaching a Bible study on Wednesday evening with a small group of people in a an unknown location. I'll just say it. it just it's that's not really of relevance, but it just a small group of people we gather together, and I have been doing the series. Um, and lately, it's been on the gospel. We have been focusing on the gospel. And my heart has been just uh, so passionate about this issue. But I realize, even from the Bible study itself, that there are many who have never heard some of the things that are being taught in this Bible study. Now, I I think that's one of the issues today in the visible church, the lack of equipping the saints, teaching the saints, instructing the saints, helping them to grow to become more like Christ— uh, and that's the key. I mean, there should be spiritual growth. There should be a desire, a longing, a hungering uh, for Christ, for the things of Christ. And uh, again, I cannot stress this enough to all of you out there who will listen to this podcast. 
I still have available a sheet. It's a one sheet um, that I would highly recommend. I have been, and I will continue to pass these out. I, I mentioned this uh, a bunch of podcasts before. This is kind of my life's work uh, entitled, Who is Jesus to You? And um, it deals with the statement that Jesus made, unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins, from John eight twenty four. In this one sheet, uh, I cannot stress enough, talks about the claims of Jesus Christ, the miracles of Jesus Christ, what men believed about Jesus Christ, what historical people wrote about Jesus Christ. Uh, it talks about the spiritual condition of all men. It talks about the gospel and what the gospel was all about. And then it asks the big questions, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And it, in this one sheet I put together, I talk about the word believe, what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, and then I talk about what, you know, if you do believe in Jesus Christ, uh, it'll determine three different things. And um, it just kind of ends with the same question, who is Jesus Christ to you? I want to make this available to you for free, and uh, I do so because I really, truly want to get this in the hands of every person out there. Um, for those who claim to be a Christian, uh, this may challenge you. As you look and, and you look at the, the things that are in the sheet in the back, when you come to the very end, I, I'm going to challenge you about what your claim is. You claim to be a Christian. Are you who you claim to be? But also, this is for the non-believer. This is for the individual out there who has a lot of questions about Jesus, maybe has heard about Jesus, maybe just doesn't understand the claims that he made, the miracles he did, what men believed in his day and time about him. Uh, this is going to be a very evangelical um, kind of, uh, or I should not say evangelical, evangelistic tool to give to somebody. Now, this is not something that you're going to, you know, you could sit down with somebody and teach them, go over it with them. Let me tell you right now, we have been holding our Bible study for many weeks using this, this handout, and it has been, to me, it just, uh, not because I created it, I, I, the value of it blows my mind. I, I end up leaving this, a lot of places I go, restaurants, I leave it with people, I give it to people on purpose, um, because... Really, when it comes down to it, as I've already mentioned, when we're talking about the gospel, we're talking about Jesus Christ. He is the good news, and we want the whole world to know. And on this also is an email address, uh, unless you believe, at gmail.com for people who have questions. Uh, they can anonymously write, and I will do my best to answer those questions according to God's holy word. But I just want to bring this, I don't want to spend much time with this, but I, I want to tell you that this is available. All you have to do is email me, uh, martyminto at gmail.com. You can message me, instant, you know, text me if you, if you know me, if you're a close friend, uh, Facebook message me, any way that you see fit to get in contact with me. I will send you 50 of these. Uh, I, I'll send you a packet in the mail, and you hand them out. You do with them as you wish. Again, you could do a Bible study on this, a Sunday school class. I really believe that this is where we need to be today. We need to get back to the gospel. We need to get back to Jesus. We need to focus on the priority of presenting the gospel, presenting Christ to the world around us. 
And again, before we can present, before we could teach other people, we have to know what we believe and why we believe it. And I think this is a great tool uh, inside here, too. We'll talk about prophecy and um, the fulfillment of prophecy and how important it is, the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the instructions of Christ, the nature of Christ, the death of Jesus, the empty tomb, the departure. And I will give at least one um, you know, from the prophets when they spoke about this issue to the fulfillment in the New Testament. And, and again, I really believe down deep inside, uh, though this is not uh, some, you know, great masterpiece, in a sense, it is the Word of God filled with Scripture. The whole thing is filled with Scripture, tons of Scripture references. Um, I've even done my best not to overwhelm uh, somebody who is reading this, but at the same time, uh, for someone to really understand uh, more about Jesus by taking these references, opening a Bible, and looking. And some say, you know what, we live in a day people won't do that. I disagree. Because I believe that the only way that anyone can come to Christ is the Father has to draw them. So in that drawing is a work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. So I'm trusting God uh, to take this and use this in a mighty way in somebody's life. So again, if you'd like to get a copy, uh, just uh, get a hold of me and we'll make sure that we get that to you. Well, today here on Apologetics Talk Radio, we once again want to um, do all that we can to um, lie, you know, lay to rest, I should say, uh, the lies underneath God's truth. And today's topic is is very important, and I'll tell you why it's important, because I don't think people quite understand. And this is something that's bothersome to me, and I really believe even in the visible church, many Christians don't understand this topic. And today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about grace. We're going to talk about the grace of God. And I find it interesting, as I've been studying lately in the book of Colossians chapter 1, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, I want you to listen to the words as Paul writes to the church at Colossae, and just see what he says here for a moment, because I think you'll find this amazing here. He says here, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as it is in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. There's, to me, the big question. Do people understand the grace of God in truth? Do they understand grace? And grace is one of those topics where quite often we hear much about but I'm not sure there is a connection factor with many people. And obviously, uh, this has been something that's been pretty heavy on my heart, and I'll tell you why. A few weeks back, I, I drove past a church, and on the church billboard outside, it said this, Salvation begins with repentance. Salvation begins with repentance. Now, as I pondered that for about a minute, as I'm driving past this billboard, I realized to myself 
that that statement that this church is making to the world, which, first of all, most of the world, when it comes to the word repentance, they would probably have really no idea what the church is talking about, unfortunately, but true. But at the same time, I realize, hey, wait a minute. The reason it's not sitting right with me, because it's wrong. Salvation does not begin with repentance. Now, if you were saying amen and you said, yes, you think it does, you need to really pay attention to this podcast. Because salvation does not begin with repentance. Salvation begins with God. And I would go one step further. Salvation begins with the grace of God. And that is what I believe is confusing or not understood by many today, especially within the visible church. And if we don't understand this uh, when it comes to grace, the grace of God, then we are really going to be amiss. We're going to have a problem when it comes to sharing the true gospel with a world that is lost. And I'm even convinced, too, that this is where it may be one of the the keys of why we don't share because we don't understand. Because you know as well as I do, we still live in a day and age, and I don't think anything's changed. I think that James wrote about this. I think that it is sprinkled all throughout the Bible. I know that Paul dealt with this issue amongst the Jews with Peter and others. But we have a tendency um, to really try to decide who needs to hear the gospel, who should hear the gospel, and what group of people or persons we should bring it to. And and I really believe it is because we don't understand the grace of God. We don't understand where all men stand before God. We don't understand what God has done and where salvation begins. Because if I hold on to what it says on the billboard there, that salvation begins with repentance, here's what happens, which is typical today in most visible churches, within much of what Christianity tries to talk about. It puts man in the driver's chair. We like, I don't know about you, I I am one of these people, uh, maybe because of my years going back and, and my experiences in law enforcement and and going through academy and, uh, you know, emergency um, operations, uh, vehicle operations training and all that kind of stuff. Maybe it's something with me, but I I don't like to be a passenger in a car. <laughs> I'll give you some insight. I don't. I like to drive. I, I get kind of concerned when other people are driving the car because I want to be in control. Uh, And I'm not saying I'm the greatest driver in the world, but because of my training and some of the things I've been through, I I really think that my, you know, even my driving record for for the most part speaks for itself. Um, But I like to be in control. I want to be behind the steering wheel. Well, that same type of mentality really is just permeating and has been permeating for quite a long time, um, the, the issue of salvation. When it comes to, you know, our salvation, uh, we want to believe that we're in the driver's chair. We want to believe that we're in control. We're the one who's driving the ship. We're the one who's deciding. We're the one who is making that decision uh, to become a Christian, to get saved, whatever the case may be. 
And see, the truth of the matter is, is that when it comes to the doctrine or the study of salvation, they call it soteriology in the theological realm of the minds out there. The truth of the matter is that's not where salvation begins. Salvation begins with God. And see, the truth of the matter is we have to get the right perspective on this, because if we don't, then we won't understand truly what God has done for us. Then we are going to find it problematic in sharing and going forth and accomplishing what we are commanded, instructed, which is a privilege to do, and that is what we call the Great Commission, what I talked about last time a little bit. So so I, I want you to really pay attention today to this podcast and think clearly about what is going to be said. But I, I found myself, you know, looking at this these two verses here in Colossians and realizing there are people that don't understand the grace of God in truth. They really don't have a grasp on it. And this becomes very, very difficult. Because in the Word of God, if you study the Word of God, you will find time and time again that there is mention of the grace of God in reference to salvation. And grace needs to be understood. And again, I want to be careful because I know today in our world there are those who go into the realm of what some have entitled or called hyper-grace. So, you know, there's always these dangers of going places with anything that we talk about, anything we learn. There's always the extremes. So I don't want to go into a, uh, a realm that we shouldn't go. At the same time, I don't want to downplay the significance and the importance of grace, the grace of God. But at the same time, the only thing I can do is go to the Word of God and allow God to speak to us and make it clear that we, you know, hopefully understand. And, and again, you know, using Scripture to, uh, you know, to um, look at other passages, you know, Scripture interprets Scripture. Uh, it's important for us, and we're not looking for opinions. We, we want to know what God has to say on this issue. And that's why we're here at Apologetics Talk Radio. We're, we're, we really want to, to take the lies and lay them to rest under God's truth. So I, I think about the statement that was made in the book of Acts, chapter 15. The setting is the Council of Jerusalem, and uh, there is uh, an issue that has been brought up, and the issue is that there have been men that came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Uh, The Bible says, and when Paul and and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders and, uh, you know, deal with the issue. They had to deal with this issue because of what was being taught, what was being said. Well, when they came together, this is what they came up with, which I really believe is where the nail is just struck right on the, the top. I mean, it's dead on, it's hit. L- listen to what's said in verse 11 of Acts chapter 15. But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. So Paul here, they're dealing with the issue of the Gentiles, 
uh, the Jews and salvation. But the truth of the matter is, it comes down to this. All men are saved the same way. They're saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus or the grace of God, period. That's how all men are saved. And we have to understand this. We have to come to realize the importance of this because if we don't, what I'm concerned is going to take place, and what I think has already taken place, is again, it affects uh, the way that we live our Christian lives as believers, as followers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, but it also affects what we do with the glorious gospel message when it comes to telling the world about Jesus. Uh, It even hinders us. So I think to myself, okay, let's just get down to the basics here, first of all. When we talk about grace, what is grace? Well, grace, simply put, is what some would say— It's unmerited or undeserved favor. And let me deal with that for just a moment. Unmerited, when you think of something that is merited, you think of something that is earned, something that is gained, something that is accomplished. Uh, You think something that, that you could somehow work for. So when we're looking at the grace of God or the favor, which we could understand also that the favor deals with the goodness, the kindness, the mercy of God, and I'll I'll get to some verses in just a little bit that'll help you there. But when we're talking about the grace of God, we're talking about the unmerited favor of God. Um, we cannot earn God's kindness his goodness, his mercy towards us. We don't deserve it. We don't. We can't work for it. We can't obtain it. Um, there is nothing about us or anything that we've ever done or will do that God would say, hey, listen, I want to place my favor on this person. It's unmerited, and especially on the topic of salvation. Because if that's not the case, then there would be something that we could do to earn, to merit, to gain, to accomplish our salvation. That's why in theological circles, we'll talk about salvation being monergistic and not synergistic. Synergistic is the working together. uh, It would mean God does his part, man does his part. But true salvation, biblical salvation, is not synergistic. It's monergistic. And mono means one. It's God. God, uh, salvation begins and ends with God. It, It begins, it continues, it ends with God. So true biblical salvation is monergistic. And this is something that I really believe many people don't understand. When we talk about salvation, when we talk about the grace of God, we're talking about that favor, that kindness, that goodness, that mercy that is uh, brought forward towards us as sinners, Uh, the favor of God that we didn't earn. We we can't gain it. There's nothing that we've done. It's not because of our bloodline, uh, you know, and our heritage and where we've come from, whether we be a Jew, whether we be a Gentile, what our last name is, whether we were, you know, born in this area of town or, or that area of town, what color of our skin, it, none of that stuff. It's not based upon any of that all. It's unmerited favor. And it's undeserved, too, because we don't deserve God's goodness. His kindness, his mercy. We don't deserve. There's nothing that we've done to deserve it. 
once again. So, so, so truly the understanding of the grace of God or the word grace, which in the Greek is charis, it means unmerited or undeserved favor. And you think about the fact that God is holy, man is not. Uh, especially since the fall in the garden, we don't deserve anything from God except for God's just judgment and his penalty upon sin, which is death. So when we talk about God's grace being bestowed upon us, we are the recipients from the one who dispenses grace. We don't deserve it, and we haven't merited it. There's nothing that we could do to gain it. Uh, you can't pay for it. There's not a mo- any amount of money. Uh, think about this. God's sending his only begotten son into this world. Ultimately, Christ died for our sins. What kind of price tag would you would you put on that? What kind of payment would you be able to make? And, and let me tell you right now, somebody once said to me when I asked that question, they said, well, all the money in the world, listen, all the money in the world that ever was and ever w- is now and ever will be still does not amount to a payment that would be sufficient when it comes to the grace of God in our salvation. Um, praying for it. Now, some have argued this issue, but, you know, we, especially as sinners, when you think about this, when we come before the throne of a holy God, we can ask for many things. But just because we ask doesn't make God or force God to do something. So the truth of the matter is we can't pray for God's undeserved or unmerited favor. You know, it's not sitting down at a table and negotiating with God because that doesn't work. So so we can't pay for it. We can't pray for it. And ultimately, I've already said this, we can't work for it. There's not enough things that we could do. I mean, how, how many things, good things, quote-unquote, would we have to do? Well, the Bible already tells us that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. There is no one who's good, not one. None are righteous, not even one. I mean, I could go on and on. The truth of the matter is, what would we, how would we be able to please God in working? Uh, and I found this interesting because in this discussion that I was having the other day, uh, there is truly a passage of Scripture that just rings so loud, it's unbelievable to me. But it is in the book of Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, uh, the, the whole chapter is really about the Holy Spirit. If you want to know about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8 would be the place to go. But in the beginning of Romans chapter 8, Paul deals with the issue of the man, the natural man in the flesh, and then the man who has the Spirit of God within him. But listen to what this says. This is, this is just mind-boggling. I'll start with verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are of according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So think about this for a moment. The man who's in the flesh, the natural state, his mind is hostile towards God. He does not want to subject himself to the law of God, and he's not going to because he can't. 
because by his nature, he has nothing to do with God. He's not seeking after God. He's not wanting God. He's not, in many cases, he's not afraid of God. Think about this. That's one of the things that is going to truly be evident in the last days. There'll be no fear of God before their eyes. The pride, the haughtiness, uh, they are going to do what they want to do. That's what sinning, being a sinner is all about. We, we are our own God. We don't want somebody telling us to do this or don't do that. We decide what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. I mean, we're so naive to really believe that we don't have to answer to the one who has created us and who's created all things, the one who's omnipotent, the one who's sovereign and in control, because man has this mindset that's hostile towards God and, again, um, won't obey the law of God but can't either. However, the person in the Spirit is different, because if you have the Spirit of God in you, it says in verse 9, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then what? You, you are a child of God, right? That's the seal. That's the promise that is given to us when truly we are born from above, when we have put our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ and him alone, we are sealed by the Spirit. It's the deposit. It's the guarantee that we are the children of the living God, that we have been adopted, we have been forgiven, we've been redeemed. We belong to God. But it says in verse 9, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Stop right there for a moment. This is important. And why it's important in this is is because when we begin to talk about the grace of God, we begin to realize the depravity of man. We begin to realize how wicked man truly is. And so there's nothing we could do. Once again, the, the definition, when we talk about grace, is the unmerited or undeserved favor of God. And again, when we talk about God's favor, we're talking about his goodness, we're talking about his kindness, his mercy that's being poured out to this world, his love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And there are scripture verses that bring us to this understanding. And in these verses, we begin to realize uh, the grace of God. Now, as we get into this uh, today, I got to be honest with you. I, I'm going to break this up in a couple parts because of the importance. Because I don't want to just shove everything and force everything upon one podcast. But but I firmly believe that this is the issue. Just as Paul said it in Colossians one five and six, that when you come to understand the grace of God in truth. Many have not because they've never heard it. They, they don't grasp it because it has never been taught to them. But salvation begins with the grace of God. We are all saved by God's grace. That's where salvation begins. It is God who was the one who was offended. He was not the one who offended. He is the one who's offended. The offender did not and could not and would not try to reconcile 
with the one he offended. And we go back to the book of Genesis chapter 3. They hid from God. Why? Because they were afraid of God. Because they sinned. They weren't seeking after God. They weren't asking God for forgiveness. When their eyes were open, their nakedness, their shame, and then the reality of God being holy, and they're not holy. And if you take Genesis chapter 3, which I've said this before and I'll say it again, it is a chapter in the Bible that I believe uh, has, needs to be taught and retaught and retaught again over and over again until we get it right, till we understand that when God created man, he created man in innocence. He had not known sin yet. But when sin took place, when their eyes were open, when they disobeyed God, everything changed. Now men come into this world as sinners. They come into this world spiritually dead, Ephesians chapter 2. And it's only God is the one who can make them alive. They don't seek after God. They don't want God. They don't desire the things of God. That's why God sought after them. That's why Jesus is called the seeking Savior. That's why we are to go into all the world and seek after the lost and bring them the gospel message. But we first have to understand the grace of God and truth. We have to understand what God has done for us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It's not about us. It always takes me back, uh, quite often I I think of that verse in in the book of John, the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, when John begins talking about Jesus in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he, he, he lays out really the deity of Jesus and who Jesus truly is. But when you get down further, you'll see this. It says this, but as many, verse 12, is, but as many as received him, meaning Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That verse 13 is powerful. There's nothing inside of a man that desires himself to be saved. Uh, it's nothing in his flesh because his flesh, in the flesh, we cannot please God. Uh, there's nothing good in the flesh. It is, stands opposed to the things of God, as I've already shared with you in the passage of Romans chapter 8. Uh, we don't have a desire or a will inside of us that we want to be saved. I've heard that so many times that we're, we're coming after God. Once again, I mentioned this last time because we have some big void, some big open space, a missing puzzle inside of us that we need God. No, that's not the case. But when it comes to salvation, this is all based upon what? The will of God. It's all based upon the grace of God. It's all based upon what God has done. That's why Jesus say, said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. It is the work of God. Salvation is monergistic. It is God. All glory and honor will go to God. So again, when we talk about this grace of God, I I think what we need to figure out and see very carefully in the Scriptures that from the beginning right through to the very end, it's all about the grace of God. We cannot take credit. We cannot boast. We cannot 
someday say, like Frank Sinatra said in the song, I did it my way. It's not going to be that way. And it can't be that way. Matter of fact, Paul dealt with that issue, too, in Romans chapter 10. And I'm sure you're familiar with this. But in Romans chapter 10, Paul says these words, uh, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation, which we should desire to see people saved. We, We should pray for people who are lost. But listen to what Paul says, For I bear them witness. Paul's testifying to this, that they have a zeal for God. They have a passion. They have a love for God. The Jewish people were very religious people. They uh, were the ones that God gave to them, the oracles, the book, you know, or the books. He, he, they were God's chosen people. They had a zeal, a passion for God. But Paul says, not accordance with knowledge. So in other words, our passion, our zeal, can really be misplaced, and that's exactly what it was with the Jewish people. And listen to what Paul says. For not knowing about God's righteousness, there's the key, not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. See, that is the world that we live in with all religious people. They are trying to establish their own righteousness. They're trying to make themselves right with God. That's why I'm bringing this up is because when we talk about grace, unmerited or undeserved favor, there are many people who believe that they can somehow merit, they can work things out, they can establish their own righteousness or make themselves right with God. If I just do enough of this and I don't do much of that, if I do do this, do do that, and don't do this, don't do that, I will, I will be okay with God. If I go to church, if I say my prayers, if I give money, if I try to live the best life I can, um, the list goes on. And that's why Proverbs fourteen twelve says, uh, there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it, what? it brings forth death or destruction. Same same issue here. So in the mind of most people, they think that they can make themselves right with God. I, I had a neighbor not too long ago say to me, he said, Marty, um, have you ever come to the end of a day, and have you ever hoped that you did enough things that, you know, that if you would happen to leave, he meant death, tonight, that you'd be okay with God? Now, my neighbor knows a little bit about me, not a lot. I mean, we talk quite often, but I thought to myself, wow, I am so glad you asked that question. I'm like, yes, my opportunity to share, but my heart was burdened too, because I know that the gentleman believes that he's a Christian. He'll tell you he is. But he really truly defined in the conversation that he believes it's based upon what he has done or hasn't done or will do enough to somehow find himself in the grace of God. He'll measure up. He'll be what God, you know, he'll have enough marks. He'll be up high enough on the ladder. He'll be okay with God. 
And, and I got an opportunity to share. I, I gave him some information, and um, I'm hoping and praying and trusting God for his salvation. It reminds me many, many years ago, you may remember this name, uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy from Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Florida. He was the founder of EE, which is Evangelism Explosion. As a matter of fact, the other day, I, I thought this was very interesting. I found myself, uh, I found an old EE Bible that I had. Um, it's been a long time since since I looked through this EE Bible, and the Bible's just, it's just dilapidated. I mean, I can't even use it. Uh, but I look back in some of the things, and I realize some pages are even missing from it. But in Evangelism Explosion, in the teaching of D. James Kennedy, was a question that D. James Kennedy, he himself posed to many people, and, and he put it as a part of the training, and here it was. If you were to die tonight, and I'm, for all of you listening to this podcast, I want you to answer this question. If you were to die tonight and stand before God, and God would say to you, why should I let you in to my heaven? What would you say? I want you to think about this, and I'm going to wrap up this podcast for today with that question. And the next podcast I'm going to do, the follow-up here, we're going to look at that question, answer it, and we're going to continue to talk about grace the grace of God, but I want you to think about it. If you were to die today and stand before God, and God would say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would your answer be? And I really believe that the answer that is brought forward is indicative of where that person stands and what that person believes about salvation. But I want you to answer it, and I want you to answer it honestly. You know, don't try to, you know, don't go and start looking through the Bible and trying to find an answer. You know, Marty gave us a quiz. Now i got to find the answer. Now, I want you to be honest. I want you to be sincere. How would you answer the question, if I were to die today and God said to me, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to God? And on the next broadcast, again, we'll we'll tackle that and we'll continue on with this topic here. And again, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, it is always, and I cannot stress this enough, it is always truly a blessing to be with you here on Apologetics Talk Radio on the ATR Network. I'm your host, Marty Minto. Email me if you have any questions or thoughts at martyminto at gmail.com. Don't forget the free handout called Who is Jesus to You? I'll make it available, send you out a bunch of copies for free, and uh, use them to share the good news, the gospel message of Jesus Christ with the world at large. Use them in a Bible study at home, uh, maybe your own personal study, Sunday school class, whatever the case may be, but be blessed by it. Until next time, the Lord bless you and your family. And remember, our God, no matter what takes place in our life in this world, He is still and always will be on the throne.